Hello everyone, this is Joey Cagle with Joey's Totally Tech, and we've of course got plenty of tech news this week. TikTok and WeChat are blocked right now, unless anything changed between the time I recorded this and the time this is released, which is possible. The battle between Epic Games and Apple rages on, and signs of life on the planet Venus. This is the Tech News and Commentary on Joey's Totally Tech. Welcome to the Tech News and Commentary on Joey's Totally Tech. This is the September 21st, 2020 edition. We begin the general tech news with news from TikTok. TikTok and WeChat downloads are blocked after Sunday, basically when you're hearing this. Now, I'm recording this Saturday morning, so it's possible things have changed, but as of the time of this recording, you will not be able to download TikTok and WeChat in the U.S. after Sunday night or last night. This is due to a ban the Trump administration has put into place unless TikTok was able to sell to a U.S. company. TikTok appears to be working things out with Oracle and Walmart, but the sticky point right now seems to be the source code, specifically the algorithm that TikTok uses to choose the next video. And I've honestly questioned Trump's ability to do this. This doesn't seem like something a president would normally do. I understand the possible national security risk. I don't know how much of a risk there is, but I do know we reported a while back that a developer on Reddit did try to reverse engineer the app and the code basically obfuscated itself. So we do have evidence that something fishy could be going on with the app. And this is coming from someone who is honestly not a Trump fan. I do not like Trump, but this is definitely a concern. I think Trump has his own reasons for banning the app, though he's using national security as the reason. I think he doesn't like being recorded and later contradicting himself with earlier recordings. And we have news from Facebook Connect. At Facebook Connect, which happened this past week, the company announced the new Quest 2 headset. It's $299 for the 64GB version or $399 for the 256GB version. It has a more powerful Snapdragon XR2 platform and 6 gigabytes of RAM. It's lighter, smaller, and more powerful than the original Quest headset, as well as cheaper. A key difference for this device compared to past Oculus hardware is that a Facebook account is required to activate the headset. Quest 2 is compatible with the Quest library of content and can also play Rift platform games with Oculus Link. Pre-orders are open and it will ship on October 13th. Facebook also announced Oculus Move, a new fitness experience. 
It's a system level fitness tracker that helps you keep tabs on how many calories you burn and how long you've been physically active during a VR play session. You can select VR fitness goals and track them across any app with real-time stats and in-game overlays. Messenger is also coming to the Quest platform. You'll be able to coordinate with friends and play together in VR. You can invite friends and they can jump in the same game with you. You'll be able to chat with friends without taking off your headset. There's also the new Oculus avatars that you can create, and they'll be working to let you use your avatar across all of Facebook's apps. Of course, it's not all gaming, otherwise I would have included this in the gaming news. VR has real-world uses, too, and Facebook has introduced Infinite Office, a collection of new capabilities designed to create a virtual office space that will feel more productive and flexible. It gives you a vast workspace with multiple customizable screens, and you don't need extra monitors. It integrates with your real-world environment and is portable and persistent, so you can pick up where you left off. You can even toggle between a fully immersive experience and a mix of VR display with pass-through, so you're aware of your surroundings. Facebook is in a partnership with Logitech to bring a physical keyboard into VR. You can use the already available Logitech K830 keyboard. There's also Oculus for Business, resources to help companies get started and to help developers meet the growing demand. Facebook also talked about augmented reality, including the Spark AR creator platform and a new multi-year partnership with Acceler Luxottica. They plan on delivering their first product, Ray-Ban branded smart glasses, and they unveiled Project Aria, a research device which will help Facebook understand how to build the software and hardware necessary to deliver on the promise of ubiquitous AR. Facebook launches Business Suite to link messaging apps. The social network has launched a new app called Facebook Business Suite. It allows small businesses to manage their pages and profiles across Facebook, Instagram, and Facebook Messenger. This is the first product they've launched which combines the back-end infrastructure for its apps. They will also add WhatsApp next year. The app allows small businesses to post content and ads to Facebook and Instagram at the same time and see performance of ads across both platforms in one place. In the future, it will be integrated more closely with Facebook Shop. The tools are designed for small businesses, but Facebook also plans to make them available for larger businesses eventually. And Facebook buys REI's new headquarters for $367 million. Facebook purchased the brand new six-acre, 400,000-square-foot complex at the new Spring District development just east of Seattle. The company will maintain its current offices in Seattle. REI was going to move its headquarters to this location, but has decided to sell the properties due to the pandemic and shift to remote work. 
Facebook already had leases for more than 800,000 square feet of office space across three buildings being developed at the Spring District. Both companies are donating $1 million each to EastRail, a new system which will connect Eastside cities. 2,300 employees will be working at the new complex when it opens later in the year. Apple announced a number of products and services at a product event this week. The company announced a new virtual fitness service, a subscription service called Apple One, and a new lineup of Apple Watches and iPads. The Apple Watch Series 6 can measure blood oxygen saturation and has the new Apple S6 processor. The lower-priced Apple Watch SE has the S5 processor and an accelerometer, gyroscope, altimeter, and fall detection. The new iPad Air sports a 10.9-inch liquid retina display with 3.8 million pixels. Touch ID on the power button, the Apple A14 Bionic, and a USB-C port. The new iPad will feature an A12 Bionic, a neural engine, and support for Apple's Magic Keyboard. iOS 14 launched this week as well, with widgets, security enhancements, and more. No new iPhones were announced. The Amazon Fresh Grocery Store is open in Los Angeles. The store in Woodland Hills, Los Angeles, California, is now open to the public from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. Pacific Time daily. The store features Amazon's new dash cart, which calculates shopping totals, displays shopping lists, and does other tasks to automate the shopping experience. Customers are able to skip a visit to the cashier if the dash cart detects less than two bags of groceries in the cart. When the customer leaves the store, the amount owed is automatically deducted from the credit card they have associated with their Amazon account. Echo show stations have been placed throughout the store to point customers towards specific products. Same-day Amazon Prime deliveries can be picked up by the customer at the store. Microsoft's underwater data center has re-emerged after two years. Two years ago, Microsoft sank a data center off the coast of Orkney in an experiment to test its performance and energy efficiency underwater. It had a lower failure rate than conventional data centers. Only eight of the 855 servers failed after two years at the bottom of the sea. This may be because nitrogen was used in the capsule rather than oxygen, since there were no humans on board. The cost of cooling these data centers would be lower, too. Underwater locations would be more secure as well, without the infrastructure cost of constructing a building. Opendoor goes public in a $4.8 billion merger. Opendoor, a platform which lets homeowners quickly sell their houses, merged with social capital Hedosofia Holdings II, a shell company led by a venture capitalist and early Facebook executive. The company generated $4.7 billion in revenue in 2019, 
with 18,000 home sales from 21 markets. A third of its employees were laid off in April, however, though operating at a loss currently, the deal values Opendoor at $4.9 billion. The Navy looks into roboships to hunt and kill enemy submarines. The U.S. Navy is planning to use a fleet of uncrewed warships to hunt and destroy submarines. They're in the process of issuing contracts for up to 40 medium unmanned surface vehicles, or MUSVs. These are cheaper to build and maintain while still being very effective at their jobs. MUSVs would free up billions of dollars worth of warships to do other tasks. Results may be disappointing, however, Previous attempts at automating sea mine hunting took about a decade to produce results. Moving targets will be much more challenging. Lamborghini and Xiaomi unveil their new electric go-kart for adults. Xiaomi and Lamborghini have produced the 9-bot go-kart pro Lamborghini edition. It's an electric go-kart built for the track. The design is similar to an early Segway 9-bot design, but with serious performance upgrades. It reaches speeds up to 25 miles per hour using the detachable Xiaomi self-balancing scooter. The rear tires are drifting friendly, and it has high traction rubber on the front tires. It has true Ackerman steering, functional headlights, and a rear wing adding real aerodynamic and handling improvements. The 432-watt-hour battery allows it to run for about 15 and a half miles. The max passenger weight is 220 pounds and is available for about $1,450. So I have to wonder if this is actually going to be here in the U.S. because I know Xiaomi, at least with their cell phones and televisions and whatnot, if I remember correctly, they are banned here in the U.S. now. Thanks to the Trump administration, of course. A backup driver of an autonomous Uber SUV is charged with negligent homicide in Arizona. Elaine Herzberg was killed by a Volvo SUV outfitted with an Uber self-driving system in 2018. Rafaela Vasquez was the driver behind the wheel and has been charged with negligent homicide. Vasquez has pleaded not guilty to the charge and released with an ankle monitor. Her trial is set for February 21st. The National Transportation Safety Board found the likely cause of the crash was inattention from Vasquez. Dashcam footage shows Vasquez spending nearly a third of the trip looking at her phone. Uber isn't criminally liable for the death, but the company failed to implement countermeasures to control operator disengagement, and the SUV's sensor system failed to correctly categorize Herzberg or predict her path. AI and solar energy-powered Mayflower to sell for ocean exploration. Nonprofit Marine Research Corporation, Promare, has partnered with IBM to launch an AI and solar-powered ship. 
the Mayflower Autonomous Ship, or MAS, will sail on a route similar to the original Mayflower, which sailed across the Atlantic 400 years ago. The ship will collect data from the ocean to help scientists with issues such as global warming and marine mammal conservation. The onboard AI will also scan the horizon for potential hazards and help make informed decisions so it can change course based on live data. The MAS will have an octopus robot named Artie who can answer questions about the ship, the ocean, or himself on the MAS website. And we'll be right back after these messages. Unless you're listening on the ad-free version of the exclusives, you can unlock the Joey's Totally Tech exclusives at joeystollytech.com slash exclusive for $1.50 per week, $5 per month, or $50 per year. This is a reduced price as of this week, so make sure you take advantage of that to get ad-free episodes, early episodes, extended interviews, and other bonus content we're producing. you like the music and sound effects we're using on the Joey's Totally Tech podcast? Well, we get the licensing for this music through Epidemic Sound. If you're a content creator creating video on YouTube or other social media platforms, or a fellow podcaster, visit bit.ly slash JTT Epidemic. That's bit.ly slash JTT Epidemic. And you can sign up for a subscription for as little as $15 per month. They have a wide variety of genres of music, as well as sound effects you can incorporate into your content. You don't have to pay royalties, you just pay the monthly subscription fee. Or you can also buy lifetime licenses to particular tunes and effects too. So if you want to use some fresh music and help support this podcast too, check out bit.ly slash JTT Epidemic and sign up for Epidemic Sound today. Thank you for listening. First in gaming news this week, the PlayStation 5 pricing has been announced. Sony has announced the PlayStation 5 pricing on their Twitter account. The regular PlayStation 5 will be $499.99 and the digital edition will be $399.99.
The console is scheduled to be released in the US, Japan, Canada, Mexico, New Zealand, and South Korea on November 12th, with the rest of the world getting it on November 19th. The battle between Epic Games and Apple continues. Epic Games had demanded Fortnite be restored to the App Store. In new legal filings, Apple responded to Epic's demands and claimed that Epic's injuries are, quote, entirely self-inflicted, end quote, and that Fortnite can return to iOS at any time as soon as Epic Games removes the custom in-app payment system that triggered the removal in the first place. Apple stated in their 37-page opposition brief, quote, Epic started the fire and poured gasoline on it, and now asked this court for emergency assistance in putting it out, even though Epic can do so itself in an instant by simply adhering to the contractual terms that have profitably governed its relationship with Apple for years, end quote. Apple also added, quote, Epic could have avoided any further harm involving both Fortnite and Unreal Engine with a simple keystroke. They say refusing to do so is, quote, holding its own customers hostage to gain leverage in a business dispute, end quote. The filings offer more detail on the legal arguments Apple will be using in response to Epic's demand for a preliminary injunction and restoration of Fortnite to the iOS users. The full hearing to decide this matter is scheduled for September 28th. Apple also notes that iOS is not a big part of Fortnite's revenue. They say only 10% of Fortnite consumers play the game regularly on the iPhone, and claims Epic has said Apple is the, quote, smallest piece of the pie, end quote. When it comes to their revenue, Apple is trying to show Epic is not suffering irreparable harm, as Epic claimed in its filings, but is doing this for other self-interested reasons. Apple says that Epic is pulling off a, quote, pre-planned media blitz, end quote, that shows it's welcoming the attention created by the case. Quote, if Epic were truly concerned that it would suffer a reputational injury from this dispute, it would not be engaging in these elaborate efforts to publicize it. From all appearances, including the hashtag Free Fortnite campaign, Epic thinks its conduct here will engender goodwill, boost its reputation, and drive users to Fortnite, not the opposite. That is not harm, end quote. Actually, last night I watched Linus Tech Tips talk about this, and it's really interesting. So we know that the fee is 30% that Apple takes from each cell. The Google Play Store also does the same thing. And I've been saying before, maybe that fee is too expensive. That may or may not be the issue because apparently this 30% fee has been standard for probably about decades, I think he said. Uh, this stems back from video games being sold in retail stores. 
the problem we have now though is that many of these video games these apps etc they are not in physical form so the question there is whether there should be a 30% fee or that should be lower because they no longer have to deal with the physical software it's all downloads now there's certainly not the packaging and the labor etc that used to go into that that would justify the 30% fee so why is this 30% fee justified also of course Apple doesn't have a monopoly itself but Apple and Google in the smartphone market have more of a duopoly. That's what Epic will need to claim in court. By the way, Epic has filed against both Apple and Google. It seems like the fight between Epic and Apple is a bit more in the public than the fight between Epic and Google. But both companies are really the targets here. And this is going to be interesting because we're going to see if the courts will rule that they're a duopoly and that they should allow other stores into the smartphones. Of course, Android does have other stores available beyond Google Play, but they do make it a little difficult to add those other stores. You have to go into settings and change it where you uh, allow software from other sources. And it gives you warnings about it. You could potentially infect your phone with malware, etc. So it seems dangerous to a lot of consumers that may not know what they're doing. Also, Epic needs to argue that the smartphone and tablet is really no different from a computer. And in my opinion, the smartphone and tablet aren't really that much different from a computer. It's basically the same thing. Different operating systems, of course. And of course, the smartphone, you make phone calls with it. Technically, you can do it with a computer, too, with like Skype or Google Voice. So... In my opinion, there's not a really huge difference other than form factor and the operating systems. So, yeah, I think Epic could have a really good case here. Apple and Google may be in trouble in this one. But it's also a risk for Epic because of the contract they agreed to, as well of decades of the fee being at 30%. That may not change so easily, even though the labor costs and uh, other costs have really reduced. Next up, EA is killing Origin brand with the new EA Desktop app. Electronic Arts is rebranding Origin to EA Desktop. They describe its new app as a, quote, next generation PC gaming platform, end quote. Using the EA Desktop app, players are able to subscribe to EA's game subscription services, EA Play and EA Play Pro, which are also a rebrand of the EA Access service. Players can then download their games on their PC and play them for however long they hold the subscription. Michael Blank said that the new EA Desktop app will be faster than Origin, and let players engage with their games more conveniently. 
Origin has had a reputation for being slow and a bit cumbersome since it launched in 2011. This news comes just a few months after EA started migrating their PC titles to Steam. When the transfer takes place, players will maintain their EA Origin game licenses and friends list on the EA desktop app. It's not clear when EA will end Origin for good. The U.S. government is looking into Epic Games and Riot Games after the TikTok and WeChat ban. The government is probing security protocols of Unreal Engine and Fortnite maker Epic Games, as well as League of Legends creator Riot Games. This is due to their connection with the Chinese conglomerate Tencent. Tencent owns Riot Games, and holds a 40% stake in Epic. There is concern that the government could push for the sale of Chinese interests in other U.S. companies like Riot and Epic. Tencent owns a stake in other video game companies as well, including Supercell, Marvelous, Bluehole, Netmarble, and Frontier. They also own 5% of Activision Blizzard, Ubisoft, and Paradox. So I'm putting two and two together. I know a lot of the big uh, hardware and software companies have been using people in China for cheap labor, even slave labor in some cases. Both Apple and Google have had cases where they've been using slave labor for some of their products. They won't tell you this, of course, but it's been traced back to slave labor in China, unfortunately and other low-wage jobs as well. Well, I know Activision Blizzard, even though they're here in the U.S., they've been underpaying developers in California. Developers are having to live in a commune together because they can't afford to live on their own as full-time developers, which is insane. So I'm wondering if there's a trend as far as pay goes among all these companies. I haven't really looked into it. But yeah, that's also a concern with the Chinese companies like Tencent and others. Is that influencing the pay and creating a downward trend that's unfair to developers? And I know that seems a little irrelevant to what this is talking about, but I think there might be a connection there, and that's just what came to my brain. It's not really about the U.S. government looking into it. Now, to be honest, a company like Epic, I doubt they're going to have any spyware in their games from China. On the other hand, it's totally possible Riot Games could have something in there. And if you're trying to get a 3000 series RTX graphics card, well, right now they're going to be hard to find. The graphics cards are sold out everywhere right now. They're insanely hard to find. There are lots of auctions on eBay for it, but you're going to pay a pretty penny for it. Someone paid. $70,000 for an RTX 3080 graphics card. That's 9,900% more than MSRP. The graphics cards being sold out isn't really huge news. 
they typically sell out quickly after a launch, especially the NVIDIA cards. But this is pretty insane that people would buy them at such insane prices. Do you really need an RTX 3000 series card that bad to pay $70,000 for it? I think not. My advice is to wait until the cards are available again, as they will be available. I mean, I think it would be obvious to most people, but someone really wanted their RTX graphics card pretty bad to pay $70,000 for it. Come on guys, it's not worth that much. Just wait a bit. And we've got some really interesting science news this week. Select chefs can now pre-order lab-grown sushi-grade salmon. The startup Wild-type makes lab-grown salmon. They're still at least five years from commercial production, but they're already working to partner with certain chefs around the country. Wild-type has produced lab-grown meat, which is similar to what would be ordered at a sushi restaurant. They have their own technology for developing scaffolding for the cells to grow on that replicate the taste and texture of wild-caught salmon. Researchers are readying the world's first vision restoration device for humans. Monash University scientists in Melbourne, Australia have created a device which can restore vision to the blind using a combination of smartphone-style electronics and brain-implanted microelectrodes. They are now preparing the first human clinical trials to take place after successful preclinical studies and trials on sheep. It will be a while before this is available for commercial use. It transmits converted image data from a camera to neurons via microelectrodes that are thinner than a human hair. So that's really excited news for those with vision loss. It's almost kind of Star Trek-ish in the way, if you remember Jordy LaForge had that visor on in The Next Generation. I don't know if it works exactly the same way, but uh, it's really cool. Animals Magnetic Navigation Sixth Sense possibly comes from a bacteria. Turtles, birds, fish, and lobsters are able to sense the Earth's magnetic field and use this as a navigation tool. Scientists have proposed that the mechanism works through a symbiotic relationship between animals and magnetotatic bacteria. This comes after 50 years of research. They searched for the presence of this bacteria DNA in animal samples and found many animals carry the bacteria. It's unknown where this bacteria lives inside the animals, but it's likely associated with nervous tissue. Growing gold nanoparticles inside tumors can help kill cancer. Researchers can now grow gold nanoparticles directly inside of cancer cells. These particles can help with imaging and be heated up to kill the tumors. Scientists previously tried to use gold to fight cancer, but it was a challenge to get the material inside of the tumors. 
This method uses polyethylene glycol to deliver the ionic gold. The acidic cellular microenvironment that is in cancer converts the gold from an ionic form into plasmonic gold nanoparticles. After these first tests, scientists use an existing technique to heat up the nanoparticles with lasers to kill the cancer cells. Scientists have found a way for machines to see through clouds and fog. A new system for seeing through clouds has been developed. Confocal diffused tomography uses an algorithm which measures the movement of individual photons and then reconstructs obscured objects even if the light is scattered and bounced by a barrier in the way. This is especially useful for self-driving cars in heavy rain or capturing images of planets through cloud haze. The technology is still slow, so more development is needed before it will be useful. China is building a floating spaceport for rocket launches. The China Aerospace Science and Technology Corporation is developing a mobile launch facility off the coast of Haiyang City in the eastern province of Shandong. The facility will be used for light vehicles as well as for building and maintaining rockets, satellites, and other space machinery. The Eastern Aerospace Port is to be China's fifth launch facility. And they could use that spaceport because China is set to launch a space mining bot. A Chinese private space resource company, Origin Space, plans to launch a mining robot in November. The small satellite will enter a 500-kilometer altitude sun-synchronous orbit, where it will test technologies and not do any mining. The company plans to verify and demonstrate functions such as orbital maneuvers, simulated small celestial body capture, and intelligent spacecraft identification and control. Asteroid mining may potentially be a trillion-dollar industry. China plans to launch a satellite in 2021 designed to observe and monitor near-Earth asteroids. And Origin Space plans to send NEO-2 to the moon in late 2021 or early 2022. Astronomers detect a giant planet orbiting a dead star. WD-1856 is a white dwarf star that is 80 light years from Earth, and it still has a giant planet that's in its orbit. The planet WD-1856b is seven times larger than the star and completes a full orbit every 1.4 days. The planet is 14 times larger than Jupiter, Stars enter into an expansion phase that normally destroys nearby planets when they die. It's possible the planet could have been drawn in by the expansion or formed as part of the process. It could also be a type of failed star known as a brown dwarf. Hubble gets crisp new image of Jupiter and Europa. The telescope has taken new images of Jupiter when the planet was 653 million kilometers from Earth back in August. 
it shows a new storm brewing in the planet's atmosphere and a cousin of the giant red spot changing color. Though it's common for storms to form, this new disturbance seems to have more structure behind it. Researchers speculate that it may be the beginning of a longer-lasting spot. The Great Red Spot currently measures 15,800 kilometers across. It's shrinking, but the rate of shrinkage has slowed. The storm-dubbed Red Spot Jr. has started taking on a darker reddish hue. And finally, signs of life have been discovered on Venus in the atmosphere. Phosphine can be produced in extreme environments like the depths of Jupiter or Saturn, through organic processes like decaying organic matter, or through synthesis by humans. Traces of this chemical were discovered in Venus's atmosphere. Scientists have looked into other possibilities for where the molecules were originating, but it's likely these molecules come from organisms living in the planet's atmosphere. And that's it for this week's tech news and commentary on Joey's Toy Tech. I hope you found this entertaining and informative. I will catch you next time.